The board that you see before you is called a chessboard. For centuries, people have played the game. They've clashed wits over, over a game, a game of strategy, a game of intrigue. Almost 60 years ago, another game was played on a chessboard just like this, actually set up just like this, where a grandmaster was to play a 13-year-old. The 13-year-old didn't stand a chance, but when the game was over, the 13-year-old had won the game. Shocking the chess world. It was an unorthodox win in that near the end of the game, he sacrificed his queen to gain an advantage that ultimately put his opponent in checkmate. But it's still a game. There's another game that's being played. It's not for a trophy or a crown or a certificate. It's not to be a grand wizard or a grand master. It's forever. It's eternity. There's a strategy that's flowing from heaven, and there's a strategy that's flowing from hell. It is indeed the will of God that we win in this game, that you and I walk in victory. The end game of the enemy is you in hell forever. The end game of the king of heaven is that you walk in victory and live life as an overcomer. That's what this series is all about. That's why we entitled it End Game, because that's the will of God for you. It, it's in not just that you go to heaven, but that you have victory in all the moves that you make here on earth. Most of us will never be the masters of the chessboard, but we can live like a master if we allow the master of heaven to gain ultimate control of our thinking, of our spirit, and of our minds, and that we surrender to him. Predictable. There are a lot of moves that are predictable on a chessboard, especially to begin a game. Many of those strategies, many of those moves have even been named because they're so common. You and I can live very much the same way, making the same moves over and over and over. When it comes to spiritual warfare, the enemy is absolutely no different than how you and I live. For Satan, his first move is to manipulate you out of the awareness of him and into the awareness that you're the number one thing happening in the universe. He wants to get into your head and get you thinking about you. Number one, absolute. We've got to recognize it. See, Satan's first move is always this, your self-interest. Above everything and above all else, that's his first and his best move. When he slides that pawn across the table that you've got to think about you, that you've got to put your interest over and above everything else, he's already won the match because you can never recover from that until we see it and realize it. Allow me to set the board for you. Jesus is talking to the disciples. He's revealed to them that he's going to go to a cross, that he's going to suffer, that he's going to be crucified, and that he's going to raise from the grave on the third day. Peter, he pushes his pawn across the table. He opens his mouth like he did so much of the time. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 and 23, he, Peter took him aside, Jesus, and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he, Jesus, turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, 
For you are a stumbling block to me. For you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but on man's interest. And if we could be even more specific, Peter had his focus on Peter's interest. His best interest was for Jesus to always be with him and walk with him. So the trap the enemy set was in place, and Peter played right into the hands of the master of evil, of the father of all lies. But before we get too ugly and hasty and talk about what a heathen Peter was, let's think about how we move in our lives every day. Because sometimes, come on, let's be real, we think we have a better plan than God does. We think our systems and our strategy, we think it's better than what God See, that's how, that's how the devil does. That's how he works. And that's why it works so well. See, the devil's been playing the game for a long time. And he plays for keeps. And he is good at his craft. All the way back to the beginning in the Garden of Eden. What did Satan tempt Eve with? Self-interest. You'll be like God. You'll be smarter. God doesn't want you to have what he has. God's holding you back, Eve. The, the first pawn pushed across the table was the pawn of self-interest. And Eve bit hook, line, and sinker, just like all of us at every campus this weekend have bit the same way. We have we've fallen right into the trap on that chessboard, lured into the same thing. The move, it's a masterful move by the devil, and it continues to work because we all fall for it. See, I want you to think about something. God's best interests are always your best interests. Not part of the time, not some of the time. Yeah, but I want this, and the Bible says no. God's best interest is always your best interest. Anything other than that is a lie, and the enemy is manipulating the chessboard. Come on, let's be real. At all of our campuses, how many of us have ignored the warnings and have gone on right out and played our lives at great risk because we put our self-interest? Don't fall for the trap. So your opponent is playing the game with the end in mind. That is, if you're a believer, he can't take your salvation. But oh my word, can he make your life miserable? How? By making you focus on your self-interest to the exclusion of everybody and everything else. So... You can move like a master if you let the master begin to live through you in everyday moves. When you're filled with the Spirit, you move like a master. In this short film that you and I have just watched, Satan appears in this, in this short film as a female. The Bible says that Satan appears as an angel of light. He can appear as anybody he wants to appear. He can move in any way he wants to move. Why? To make us think to move that pawn of our self-interest. And so that's what, he, that's what he does. See, Satan never wants to appear as he really is. He never wants to do that. That's why there, there's always a diversion and a distraction that leads to disappointment and destruction in our lives. See, your opponent wants to rob you of God and wants to rob God of you. That's what he does. See, in he to hell... To the enemy, you and I are just pawns on a chessboard, pieces to be collected, pieces to be taken all the way to an eternity without God. That's what he does. 
And the final line of the film was this, remember, they don't even have to believe I exist. Matter of fact, it's better for the devil that you don't even believe that he really is. Why? Because he's far more free to move the pieces, to line up, to ruin your life. The less you see him, the more easily he moves. In Genesis 11, we see the Tower of Babel. See, people were so determined to move to their own self-interest, it was a, it was a cooperate self-interest. They were going to build a tower, and they were going to be like God. They had no idea that they were pawns of the enemy on the chessboard. Building a tower, they said, in our name, cooperating, losing sight of the end game. If you go to Revelation 17 and 18, you go all the way there, you will still see the entire chapter 17 and 18, the destruction of the Babylonian Empire. It, it, see, the, the Babylon was, came from the word Babel, of the Tower of Babel. And it was, a, it was a location, a locality that now has turned into a mentality. As, as in the Scripture, it is where the people of God in the Old Testament were taken captive. It is where they lost their freedom. Why? Because they played the role of self-interest. In Isaiah, the, the enemy says, I am that I am and there is no other. That's not God. That's people. That's what Satan says. It's the Babylonian motto. It's the blasphemous, it's the blasphemous spin of what God said, I am that I am. The enemy says, I am that I am, and there is no other. So, so God all through the, the Scripture shows us the Babylonian mentality and the Babylonian mantra is it's all about me. It's for me. It's me. See, what we have to see, we've got to play the game with the end game in mind. Our short-sighted opponent made his rebellion against God thinking he would win, but he did not. His first attempt was to blitz heaven and take control. That failed. Now he's trying to gambit for more power. For it, the, the scripture calls it in Revelation intoxication. The, the, the wine of Babylon, that we're intoxicated by it. Now, Ephesians says, don't be drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we can be filled and controlled by God, or we can be filled and controlled by the wine of Babylon. The wine of Babylon is self-interest. We can drink daily from that cup and never even know that we've been intoxicated. Never even know that we're losing the war. And that's the way that the enemy wants it. See, when you play the game of chess, you move people. You move your players because you want this piece. You want to take this from your opponent, the king. It's the most heavily weighted piece on the board. Let me ask you a question. Who would be king in your life? Who would rule the roost? Who would call the shots? See, there's an end game, and you've got to decide who is going to be in control. See, Satan, Satan's play is not for himself to be king because that didn't work. His play, for you to, his play is for you to think that you're the king, that everything that you want is the most important. And what happens? i got to protect me. I'm the king. Protect me, my interests, my wants, my desires. It's all about me, 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 me. That's how there's been a rise of humanism in our culture. Why is that? 
because we, we, it's all about self-interest. You know what we've done? We've made self-interest spiritual. Now, make no mistake. You know, when, when we move under the influence of one of the two kings, it matters which king. Are you being influenced by heaven or are you being influenced by hell? When influenced by our opponent, we can be led to believe lies. We don't need God to find love. I don't need God to be successful. I don't need God to define love. We can build a tower just like they built in Genesis chapter 11, and we can focus all on ourselves and we can build it ourselves. What a power play. But God calls us in Revelation chapter 17. In Revelation chapter 17, 1 and 2, he said, But then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, and I will show you, show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, talking about Babylon, with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of morality, and those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. You know what the wine of Babylon is? It's the wine of self-interest. And so, much of, so many of us focus so much, we get drunk on this wine of me and mine and I want. And what, what we do is we, we think that we put God in check over in the corner and that we've won and that we're king. We somehow believe that I'm kinder than God. I'm more gracious than God. I'm really more loving than God. I mean, you read the Bible and, and God is this and God is that. To think that we are more loving than love itself, which is God. How crazy is that? And yet when we've bought into self-interest, we begin to play the whole chess match with ourselves, number one, and we begin to believe those things. Our opponent is influencing us toward the end game. Well, when we've, when we've drunk that wine of self-interest, that's when he beats us. People say, but, you know, come on, man. People in church are not loving. They talk about my sin and they talk about this. Can I ask you a question? What's more loving? To point out and show you where you have sinned and how you can walk in freedom? Or to allow you to stay trapped in the end game of the enemy? Come on. Come on, let's wake up and see that we're all involved in this warfare. This spiritual war that rages all around us. And we all can fall prey. See, God loves, God's love calls us out with compassion and ministry. God's love is the best move. It always is the best move. What little sacrifice God asks you and I to make is nothing compared to the sacrifice that He made when He sacrificed His Son on the chessboard so that you and I could experience true love and forgiveness so that we could walk in victory and we could win the end game. I want you to think about something, though. Let's be real. Come on. Look all around you, whatever campus you're at, God behind bars, internet, whatever campus that you're sitting at this weekend, Satan has spiked our communion cups with the wine of self-interest. How much time of the day do you spend thinking about you or God, about you and others? Look at the picture. If you're in it, who do you look for? You. And if you look good, that's all that matters. The wine of self-interest. Man, it is, it, it, no one is immune. Peter fell for the enemy's moves, and so can we. It says, let me read you a couple more verses out of Revelation, one more chapter, Revelation chapter 18, verses 4 and 5. I heard another voice from heaven saying, 
come out of her. We're still talking about the Babylonian mentality, not the locality, but the Babylonian mentality that's infected all of us. We're not immune. Come out from her. I heard a voice say, come out from her, my people, so that you will not participate in her sins and receive her plagues. For her sins have piled up as high as the heavens, and God has remembered her iniquities. See, those of us that are forgiven, God's forgotten our sins. But if we're not careful, that that pawn, that play, the first move of Satan towards self-interest, it will suck us all in. God's end game for you and me, it's victory. It's victory today and tomorrow and forever. The end game of the devil is, is to destroy you today, destroy you tomorrow, and destroy you forever in an eternity separated from God. Oh yeah, there's an end game. But if we're so focused on today, we miss the chessboard. We miss the warfare, and we fall prey to the enemy. Again, the tallest piece on that chessboard, bar none, the tallest piece on that board is the, is the king. See, pushing ourselves and our egos is just one way that, but, that we all fall prey, we, that we all, we all live. Let me ask you the question. Who's the most influential in your life? Who's leading you in the move that you make? Who's influencing your ideas? If you're a believer, I want to challenge you to let the Holy Spirit be the one that is leading and guiding. Spirit of God, would you move at every campus? Would you so fill every believer this weekend that you have sway, that you have fill, that you have our focus, that we are not focused on self-interest, but your interest and your joy and your victory and your peace floods every believer at every campus this weekend? Can I tell you something, Promiser? That is the will of God for your life. No questions. The Word of God reveals it. Now, maybe you're here and you're still making some of the moves on the chessboard because you've never you've never surrendered your kingship to his kingship you never bowed your knee to the one who holds eternity in his hand you've never surrendered to the one that that so freely gave his son and so freely gave us the word of god so that you and i would see the schemes of satan and understand how he plays the game and what his end game really is see god's end game for you is our is is our best which is god's interest maybe it's time to clear the board maybe it's time for a brand new start maybe it's time for god to enter in and do an incredible work in just a minute the campus pastors are going to come they're going to lead you in what we call a sinner's prayer they're going to they're going to conclude this message but i want to leave you with a thought Everybody that gets busted driving drunk, when they have their keys in their hand, they all say this, I'm not drunk, I'm in control. All of us, the scripture says, can be drunk with the wine of Babylon. We're warned, we're commanded not to drink of it. And so I would tell you that some of us are drunk, but all of us are tipsy. All of us have drank some of that self-interest. I want to challenge you to surrender your life fully and completely to the Lord. I want to challenge you to, to, to bow your knee to the kingship, the headship, the lordship of Jesus. And I promise you this, you will never regret it. It will be incredible. We have one more week of Endgame. And then we start 
a new series in alignment this year called Storytellers. Faith Promise will never be the same. God's end game is for you to win and for God to use you in an incredible way. The King of Heaven, allow Him full control and you will move like a master. I love you. See you guys next weekend.